Welcome to It's an EDRN. On today's episode, we're going to talk about putting your foot down, reaching a point in your nursing career where you know what the work expectations are and you choose consciously to ignore some of them. This is both to ensure the longevity of you as an RN, but also the safety of the unit at large. I'm your host, Anidi Aren, and I hope you'll stick around to listen. It's an E. It's a D. It's an ED. RN. It's an E. Dance for emergency. It's a D. Dance for department. It's an ED. Got erectile dysfunction. Episode 39, an EDRN is not going to do it. Welcome to my podcast, It's an EDRN. I am your host, an EDRN, and today we are talking about hitting your limit. (laughs) This is going to be a very honest episode. So I hope that is what you are in for because we are going to address how, well, me specifically, but maybe also you, attempt to mitigate the many expectations placed upon us as nurses in the hospital setting and in the emergency department in particular. Basically, choosing the hills you want to die on and the hills you just like don't even climb anymore. <laughs> I think that makes sense in terms of that metaphor. Um, if you're new to this show, welcome. I'm so glad that you found it. Uh, there's very few of you and <laughs> that's really fine with me. Um, I've been a nurse for 11 years, almost 12 years now. I spent uh, the first part in med surge and then I did ICU. I was a nurse manager for a while. I will never do that again. And now I am back to bedside for the last year and a half in a level one trauma center. And I am finding my limits. I, when I returned to the bedside, having that perspective as having been a manager and knowing what a good employee is and knowing just how a good employee can just make your day when you're a manager because the things like people who always clock in on time and always get their modules done and have a scan rate of 99, those people just like make your life easier. And I wanted to be that person for my new manager. And I think I am that person for the most part. However, there are things I'm just not going to do because I know where my limits are and I want to keep doing this job. So I look at that as setting healthy boundaries for myself because I want to do this. I want to do this for a while. I'm happy right now in my job. I really enjoy it. I have finally found that balance between my work and my life. And I'm going to protect this at all costs. And if that means getting in trouble infrequently for minor infractions, then so be it. 
So let's go over what those things are just so that we're really, really clear. So the list of things I'm just not going to do, number one, hydration stations. This is a thing at every hospital because at some point or other, some governing body, probably the Joint Commission, I should know this (laughs) having been through many, many, many Joint Commission surveys, but they determined that you can't have hydration, not even water. It used to be you could have water but no other types of beverages at your workstation. And now it seems to be you can't have any hydration at all, nothing liquid, solid that you put in your mouth at your workstation. And I think it's more clearly defined, and correct me on this if I am wrong, but any area involved in patient care or something to that effect. And so what what came out of this for hospitals to make sure that they didn't get cited on these kinds of things was they developed hydration stations. And I have seen all types. I have seen a hydration station that was nothing more than the top of a shred box that we put all of our drinks on. I have seen cabinets that used to be used for like equipment storage, small equipment storage, and now that's where everyone puts their water bottles that, by the way, still have to be completely sealed with a lid on them. I have seen these like overhead bin compartments installed. Currently, that is what I'm working with. There's a this sink area with this like overhead bin and it is directly next to a door which opens into a bio room where we pour the urine out of our patient's urinals and flush it down the hopper. So that's comforting. <laughs> but regardless of like what type of hydration station it is in whatever form it takes, it's always offset from where you are spending time usually charting. And that is that is where you want your water. When you finally get a chance to sit down at your computer and document all the things that you have just done, it's very hard to pull yourself away from that knowing that if you don't document things, you could get you know, reprimanded or at the very least and at the very most like sued out of your license. It's really hard to justify taking a moment to go and get your hydration, to go and get water or your coffee. And to anyone who's not a nurse and doesn't work in this environment, that will sound like lunacy. That will just sound ridiculous, but it's not. And everyone who's been in this situation knows it is very hard to prioritize yourself or your needs in that moment when kind of sometimes literal life or death is at stake and you are constantly scared into compliance with these things because you want to keep your license because again it's kind of your thing that's like the way you make money and money is how we live and you know to that end no food at the nurse's station is uh, number two on my list of things that I'm not going to do here's the deal I have in certain times of my life being in healthcare to some capacity or other since 2003 found that if I do not eat breakfast, especially if I have not eaten dinner the night before because I just forgot or got busy or whatever reason, nothing intentional, my blood sugar gets very low. 
And funny thing about when that happens, I faint. <laughs> so I have, at my place of employment, fainted before. Not at this current job, but every previous job <laughs> at least once. <laughs> I have fainted. It's very embarrassing. It's hard to explain. It, like, creates such a panic around people just, like, think, oh, my God. But, like, I've been fainting since I was a kid. It's not a big deal to me, except that it is embarrassing and people kind of, like, make a huge deal out of it. Anyway, I have found I have to keep snacks to keep my blood sugar at a normal level, and I'm just not willing to sacrifice this because sometimes... And again, if you're a nurse, you know that your first meal of the day may not be until the afternoon. Or even if you eat before you come on to shift, we are starting shift at 7 a.m. at the latest. So that means you're eating since we can't have to, since you have to wear a mask and you can't eat at work, you have to eat before work. So that's like 6:30, 6 a.m. you're eating breakfast. Your lunch may not happen until 1500. So what's happening in between there? You have to have snacks. You have to. So I keep trail mix in the pocket of my vest, which hangs on my chair most of the time. And I will pull that thing out while I'm charting and shove some of that in my mouth. I have a little, it's a stasher reusable um, like pouch. And because it's kind of stiff at the top, you can kind of, uh, like, it's like, those uh, coin purses that would like snap shut. Not the snap kind at the top, but the coin purses that like, oh God, how do I, I am doing such a horrible job at explaining this. You squeeze the side and it opens. And then if you release it, it like goes flat. All of this explanation is, is unnecessary. Basically, I have a way of pouring trail mix in my mouth without ever touching it, which is key. I'm keeping that at my nurse's station, and I am hiding my water bottle behind the monitor. And a couple of times I have gotten caught, and I have apologized and put it back where it needed to be for the rest of that shift. And then the very next shift, I'm back to my old habits because I want water, and I want snacks, and I'm going to have them. Number three on the list of things I am not going to do is training travelers travel nurses with no trauma experience to the trauma bay. I cannot. I am very in favor of travel nurses. Our emergency department lives off of travel nurses. It is so important that this industry remains alive and thriving, not the least which because I hope to be one someday. Happy for travel nurses, but here's my issue. When you come to work at a level one trauma center and you put on your application that you have trauma experience and then you show up and they ask me to train you in the trauma bay and you tell me you've never been inside a trauma center in your entire life, not a level one, not a level two, not a level three. I I cannot teach you what you need to know in a 12-hour shift. I am not training you to the trauma bay. You're tasking. You're tasking, boo. You're going to give my meds. You're going to turn my patients. You're going to put pure wicks on. (laughs) You're going to hang blood. You're going to start lines. Like, you're tasking. I'm I'm not training you to do this. I'm just not. Um, Number four, charge nursing. That is a slippery fucking slope. And that slope feeds directly into supervising. And that slope 
feeds directly into nurse managing, and that slope just ends in sadness and stress and anger most of the time. I do relief charge very infrequently because I do have that skill, I have been trained, and I want my supervisors and our key charge nurses also need to take vacations, so I'm there for them when they need me as long as it's not very often. But I am not going to do it all the time. Number, what are we on, five? Five, going head-to-head with docs over everything. I used to do this. Every time I was right, I would push the fact. Look, you're going to be right a lot. You're going to be right more than a doctor, like a good number of times, because you're going to be a nurse with 10 years experience talking to a physician who it's their first year on the job, especially at a teaching hospital. It's just going to happen. You can't go to head to head every time. You have to let them fail. You're going to protect your patients, obviously, but you need to choose very wisely what battles you will engage in. Not not the least of which because regardless of, of how equal you think the two of you are, regardless of what the institution says about there not being any hierarchies and we're all just different members of a team, that's bullshit. Doctors have power and authority you cannot even fathom. You, you, you don't even know. However much power and authority you think they have, they have more. Because they have access to more, infinitely more. And the reason is they can charge for their services and you cannot. They are someone who's going to make money for the hospital and you are not. Full stop. So choose wisely. This is not good advice, okay? I'm not going to pretend any of this is good advice. This just is. It's the reality that I live in, and more than likely it's the reality that you live in. When I can, I avoid conflict with physicians. And this is to my benefit in terms of my longevity in this job, my mental well-being, and just keeping a nice, happy, only passive-aggressive environment. (laughs) Now, luckily, I work predominantly with emergency department physicians who are basically amazing. And they are all, almost every single one of them, pleasant to work with. When specialists come down from different teams that do not quite understand how the ED functions, that is when there is the greatest potential for conflict and power struggle. And when that power struggle is not something that affects directly the safety or well-being of my patient, I let it go. I, I I have nothing to prove. So that's where I'm coming from. Let's move on from this subject to things that I am going to do. Things I am committed to, regardless of how inconvenient they may be. Number one, I'm going to scan my meds. Scanning meds has unequivocally been proven to literally save people's lives. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it as often as possible. It's not always possible in the ED, especially in a trauma situation. 
you know, all those meds are being put in the computer after the fact. And that, and that's just how things run. So obviously it's not always uh, possible, but when we're just holding patients in the trauma bay in between codes or whatever, and it's just like an admitted patient's AM meds or someone, I'm going to scan them. I'm going to scan them. I'm just going to keep in the habit. Uh, number two, I will take great pains to build relationships. This is important to build relationships, again, with those doctors, so that when you do disagree, it's not a power struggle. Build relationships with your coworkers and build relationships with those who have authority over you, like your charge nurses, your supervisors, your boss, your boss's boss, your boss's boss's boss. Build relationship. This is good just to have a nice, pleasant working environment, but also when you get in trouble, it's important that people like you. That's just facts. Uh, I will continue to bring snacks. And what I mean is not just snacks for me, but this weird thing has happened. I think it stems from being a nurse manager, but I remember these kinds of nurses when I was newer. They would just bake a bunch of cookies and bring them to work. They would, like, make food. And we would they would feed us. And I would be like, I'm never going to be that nurse who just thinks about my team and thinks I need to bring them food. But I do that now. Every time I go to Costco, I get the big old bag of like candy bars, those little fun-sized candy bars. Because when you're at work and when you're in the thick of it, God, one of those tiny Snickers bars can like save your life. (laughs) We just had Easter. And for Easter, for whatever reason, because I always pack this trail mix and everybody's always like, oh, that looks so good. So I make the trail mix from deluxe mixed nuts and M&Ms, basically equal parts, and it's delicious and wonderful. And so I got the Easter color plain M&Ms from Costco and the big old thing of uh, mixed nuts, and I just made about 40 fun-size Ziploc bags full of this trail mix, and people loved it, and I loved it. And I was like, "Who, who is this person? I don't know. But I'll probably continue to do that because I find fulfillment in that. And then the last thing I am going to do is I am going to speak honestly. And if I can't be honest, I will avoid. (laughs) I have done this thing previously where to keep the peace with people, I have lied. I have said things I didn't mean, uh, meant things I didn't say. Like, I know everyone does it. I know that that's a shared experience. And I'm just not interested in doing that anymore. I'm just going to kind of say exactly what it is. And if I get the inclination that saying it just like it is is not going to be taken well, I will just avoid it, if at all possible. Again, as long as the safety and comfort of my patient is preserved and and dignity of my patient is preserved. I I don't really care. Um, Basically, all this to say, you will develop your own internal code of ethics at work. You will decide what is really important to you. And as long as as it's truly grounded in your patient's well-being, in your coworkers' well-being, in in just trying to be a person that others can depend on, not just to do your work, but to also be honest with them about things. Like that's my personal code of ethics, you know? 
safety and dignity for all persons at all times as much as possible, and including me. That's it. So if you don't have one, get one. It will help you guide your decisions. Don't borrow it from someone else. You, you know. You know what your ethics are, and you are all you need to figure that out. And now it's time for some tips and tricks. Tip number one. Choose your battles. You cannot fight every battle every time. If you can't fight everything, then fight nothing unless it's really, really important to you. You you just have to choose wisely. So like regulatory compliance things, that is not a battle you want to fight because you're going to lose it. So chart all the things I want you to chart, even though they're dumb, the Morse fall thing, the Braden thing, like whatever it is at your institution, do that so that when it comes to hiding your water behind your monitor, if that's the only problem they have with you, likely it's not going to be that big a deal. Tip number two. Gas up your coworkers. When people do a good job, tell them. Like, I know it can come as a shock sometimes to myself when people tell me how much my opinion matters to them because I do not think that way. I don't think people are just looking to me to, like, approve of them. But honestly, approval is approval, and people like it. So tell them they're doing a good job. Tell other nurses they're doing a good job. Tell doctors they're doing a good job. They need to hear it too. Clerks, CT, uh, respiratory therapists, like spread it around. This is part of building relationships. And it's not just like rapid fire, meaningless compliments. Just recognize when people do a good job. It's not actually that hard because a lot of people, a lot of the time, are doing pretty great. Tip number three. Do not be late to work. Being late to work is not a hill you want to die on, and you will die there. It's a stupid reason to get fired, and you will get fired. Be on time to to work. How do you do it? I don't know. You're going to have to figure that part out, but just do it. And finally, I have one trick. When you get caught in one of these situations that you've determined you will not do, immediately correct. You are going to get caught with your water bottle behind that monitor because there's going to be that one charge nurse who really cares that you put your water bottle in the fucking hydration station because she's got something against you being hydrated. I don't get it, but just correct. Don't fight. Don't tell her how stupid it is. We all know how stupid it is, and so does she. Just say, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Who left this here? (laughs) It just... Just correct it. Don't argue. It, it's not worth it. It's, it's not worth it at all. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If so, please subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and tell everyone you know to listen. You can't possibly meet all the expectations placed upon you, so don't. Just choose wisely when deciding what expectations to ignore. Be kind to others along the way, and when in doubt, humor will get you out. Thank you for listening, and have a safe shift. 
It's a MDRN is written and produced by me. Our senior editor is me. The theme song is written and performed by, tragically, also me. All views and opinions expressed in this podcast are my own and do not reflect the standards and positions of any healthcare entity that I may or may not be working for. Although I am a nurse, things I say in this podcast are not a stand-in for professional medical advice, and everything you hear from Randalls on the internet should absolutely be validated across multiple other reliable sources.